0: appreciate that. And Trevor and Rochelle come all the way from Forest Lake. There's a couple come all the way from Springwood. And Jordan's come from Brisbane. Are there any locals here today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Before we start, I, I heard uh, this, this week, I think it was yesterday, the oldest person in Australia passed away hundred and eleven one hundred and it reminded me of a story which I have told before of um, a ra- a Christian radio station and the announcer received this me- message could we pray for Elsie she is hundred and eleven today so the announcer says well wow, that's an amazing achievement hundred and eleven God bless you, Elsie, and, you know, we celebrate with you. We rejoice with you. We're going to pray for you, and he prayed. And, and as he was praying, you know, outside, somebody was going like this, trying to get his attention. Anyway, he prayed for her, and then this note came through, and after the next song, he said, I, I do apologise. He said, I, I read that wrong. Elsie's not 111 today. Elsie is ill today. <laughs> And I have it on good report that the only people who want to live to a hundred are those who are ninety-nine. <laughs> Got this for our Lord? Please let me get it. Okay, enough of that. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break from our series in John's Gospel this morning, and I wanted to just look at a subject which I've called covenant confusion. Now, have you ever heard? Some Christians may have said this to you. Um, out of concern about sometimes sin coming into the church and being tolerated and compromised and all that they, they might say something like this what we need in the church is the fear of God ever heard of that before they've even said it what we need is a sense of the fear of God what they mean is this that sometimes you know we forget how holy God is God is a holy God And when God, in his holiness, meets sin full on, usually uh, there are fireworks. (laughs) And there are many examples of that in the Old Testament. And probably the most classic one is Exodus chapter 19. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They were going through the wilderness. Um, God was miraculously providing for them bread. Think about it, bread every day from heaven to feed 2 to 3 million people every day. And then, of course, water from the rock to to supply water for them every day. And uh, God did these wonderful things and brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai. And uh, at Mount Sinai, he called Moses up into the mountain. And he said to him to tell Israel that if they obey my voice and keep my covenant, they will be a special treasure to me. And Israel immediately replied, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. In other words, piece of cake. That's okay, tell him yes. They never understood what they were committing to and and what God was asking and who this God is, you see. And so God said to Moses to Tell the people to consecrate themselves over the next three days, to wash their clothes, to separate themselves unto me, not to come onto the mountain. If they come onto the mountain, they will be struck dead or, or they, are to be, they are to be struck dead. And even if an animal was to stray upon the mountain, an, an, an irrational animal, you know, this amoral, that also would be killed. He was trying to emphasize the holiness of God, trying to understand what a holy God he was and how sinful, um, sinfulness cannot abide in his presence. So on the third day, this thick cloud came down, thick cloud like fog. There was lightning, crashes of lightning, claps of thunder, and a loud trumpet. Now the people weren't blowing the trumpet, there were 10,000 angels that come with God. And they were blowing this trumpet and it got louder and louder and louder. And then there was this fire that went up from the mountain. And it's like a furnace, this thick black smoke. The sense and awe and terror increased as God's presence was felt more. The mount was charged with the holiness of God. God demonstrated his holiness, which was unapproachable by sinful humanity. They were at the foot of the mountain. They were not even to put a one foot on the mountain going up towards where God was. And, 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 and God was there in all his holiness and they were in fear. So Moses was caught up and God gave the Ten Commandments and as he gave them to him audibly, all the children of Israel could hear the audible voice of God. They heard God speaking these Ten Commandments. They trembled and they stood afar off At the foot of the mountain then they said to Moses you speak with us and we will hear but let not God speak with us lest we die Wow in other words they drew back they didn't want to hear the voice of God they wanted Moses but later we read that even Moses says, I I'm I'm trembling I'm in fear it was just a, a really scary situation now here's the question Did this experience strike terror in the hearts of the Israelites so that they ceased sinning? Because that's what people say. If we had this kind of fear, sense of the fear of God in church today, there would be less sin. Did that stop the people from sinning? No. In fact, within 40 days, they hadn't heard from Moses. And they said well we don't know what's happened to him he's probably you know he hasn't there's no water up there he hasn't, nobody can survive that long without water he's probably dead And they, they came to aaron and they said you make gods for us and we will serve them and so aaron told them to all to bring their golden earrings and uh, they put it in a pot they melted the gold they made this golden calf and they all danced around it looked like they got their gear off, according to the way it's worded in the Bible so there's like an orgy there fornication going on and they were worshipping this God in other words they did more than sin they committed what we call apostasy they turned away from God altogether and created a God of their own imagination so all that incredibly frightening experience did not deal with sin in their heart. Can you see what I'm saying? So those who teach that we need more of this kind of fear suffer from what I call covenant confusion. And we're going to read about that in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And this is what we read. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, Notice that, we'll come back to that. You have not come to a a physical mountain that may be touched, that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. Quote, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow and so terrifying was the sight that moses said i am exceedingly afraid and trembling now you have not come to that mountain that's not the way that god is dealing with us under the old covenant so look at that because in this passage two mountains are contrasted to show the difference in the way that god relates to us under the two covenants mount sinai was a mountain that may be touched it was a physical mountain you can go there today in fact there are two two sites some people say that it's in uh, the sinai peninsula others say it's in arabia it doesn't matter but whatever spot it is, you can go there's a physical location okay and um under the new covenant everything is spiritual that's the point under the new covenant everything is spiritual. they went on a pilgrimage to this mountain and sometimes people try to bring that kind of physicality into the new covenant you know people take pilgrimages to uh, certain shrines and so on thinking that that's what it's about but it's not about that in fact in the book of hebrews we're told that jesus has entered has not entered rather the tabernacle made with hands that was only a shadow that was a picture of the real tabernacle the real temple where we meet with god he has gone into heaven itself to appear before god on our behalf that's our tabernacle in, in, in hebrews chapter 13 because the writer's trying to contrast the two covenants he says we have an altar which those who go to the altar in the tabernacle have got no right to come to. Our altar is the cross. That's where Jesus was offered. And so, so what it's saying is this, if you've got an altar on earth, you don't have one in heaven. If you have a priest on earth, a human mediator, you don't have a priest in heaven. You've got to make your mind up. See, some people try to have one foot in one covenant and one in the other. We've got to make our covenant is not physical. It's not physicality. It's spiritual. Look at what Jesus said to the woman at Samaria. Do you remember she was a Samaritan and she said this? We Samaritans believe that it's on this mountain that we meet with God. You believe it's in Jerusalem. Which one is it? Jesus said, "Woman, believe me. The hour is coming." when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So that's the first thing. We have not come to a mountain that may be touched. Where god is bringing us to is a spiritual place in the spirit amen and secondly under the old covenant god was dreaded he was feared the israelites were so terrified they were afraid to draw near to him and did not even want to hear his voice his voice frightened them this is not the covenant that we've come to amen so what have we come to well let's read But you have come to, now look at this, there's a list of things here we're just going to touch upon as we bring that contrast, that comparison. But you have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To god the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel so let's have a look at that but he says in stark contrast okay you've not come to this mount sinai you've come to that means you have access to mount zion and the City of the Living God a spiritual temple now I remember even as a young pastor alone a young Christian reading a lot about Zion in the Bible Zion in the Psalms and in Isaiah and in fact we used to sing a, a hymn and if you if, if any if there are any hymn love, lovers here it was uh, it was glorious things of thee I spoken, Zion City our God anybody know that hymn? you know that hymn. you can you can actually beautiful lyrics it's sung to the uh, the tune Austria if you're into hymns you can get it on uh, YouTube get everything on YouTube (laughs) and uh, it's a beautiful hymn it's all about Zion but I always used to read these verses and even sing this hymn thinking I know there's something there that I need to know and, and I've sort of it's taken me a long time to grow in my understanding of what Zion is. It's the place where we are meeting with God in the spirit. Okay? So let's look at it in the natural first of all, because it's a picture. Zion was one of the hills on which the city of Jerusalem was built. It was located in a very fruitful land, the land of Israel, the land flowing with milk and honey, a lush. Fruitful land and was the highest part of the city in Contrast there was no city in Mount Sinai and it was in a desolate wilderness dry dusty Desolate okay, there's the contrast we're in Zion in, in, in Jerusalem the, this the heavenly Jerusalem and, and in this place of plenty Zion had two peaks There was Moriah. You've heard of Moriah. You've heard some teaching of Moriah. That's where the temple was erected. Okay. Then on the other side, on the other peak, um, that was where David built his palace, where the king was. So it resembled the place where both the priest and the king officiated. You got that? And both are brought together in Jesus. We've come to Mount Zion. He is our high priest. As I say, we don't have a priest on earth. Our priest is in heaven, our high priest, and he's the one that always gives us access to the Father. And he's our king. He reigns. We take comfort in that. So let's have a look at what some of the scriptures say. First of all, Zion is where God dwells. Psalm 48, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north the city of the great king god is in her palaces he is known as her refuge and then psalm 132 for the lord has chosen zion he has desired it for his dwelling place this is my resting place forever here i will dwell for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. So in other words, where God is, is where we are. Where we are is where God is in, in this spiritual temple, this heavenly city, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And, and, and God blesses us in materially and and spiritually god blesses us it says "Sing praises to the lord who dwells in zion so zion is where god dwells okay you won't find him in some faraway shrine that people take a pilgrimage to you come immediately into his presence in the name of jesus it's where christ reigns Many of you are familiar with Psalm 2, a great Psalm. You read it, it talks about how the whole world is kind of, you know, mocking God and shaking its fist at God. And God is just laughing at them. And he says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Well, the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. And and then we, we see that it's also our spiritual dwelling place. I, I love this um this verse in Psalm 87, it says, and of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. You know, I could go around this congregation this morning and say, point to each one to go, this one was born in her, in Zion, that one and that one and this one and that one. And that one. that's what he's saying. This is where we were born again. This is, this is our roots now. This is our spiritual roots. This is where we belong in Zion. Amen and in zion we are secure and we are blessed those who trust in the lord are like mount zion which cannot be moved but abides forever psalm 133 it is like the jew of hermon descending upon the mountains of zion for there the lord commanded the blessing life forevermore the lord bless you out of zion so zion uh, you know you 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 are listening to these voices and uh, verses. Sorry, and, and like me, you're getting a limited understanding. But as you go on, it be, God begins to give you that revelation of this is where we are. You have come to Mount Zion. This is where we are. It's a picture of the heavenly Jerusalem, heaven itself. In in the in the uh, chapter before chapter twelve, we read that. Abraham looked for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. We found that city. We belong to that city. The heavenly Jerusalem. So the heavenly Jerusalem is in heaven. It has not yet come to the earth. It is a literal city. It's a city that is yet to come. Again, reading in Hebrews, it says, "Here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come." There is, a, you know, when the, the, oh, you, you look at you look at the, the the end program for this earth, we know it's on a destruction course, right? You know, actually, we Christians believe more in uh, global warming <laughs> than non-Christians. The whole earth is going to be burned up (laughs) yeah yeah we believe in global warming okay in that sense but there is a city coming down from heaven and john saw that in the spirit he saw the the end times unfolding and he says then i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for a husband You know i did a series on eternities in our hearts anybody remember that and and there's about nine in in the series and uh you know i talked about things like what happens when a christian dies what happens to life after death the resurrection of the body uh you know the rapture then the second coming and then the millennial reign but you know the 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 message that was most most popular more than any of the others by far Was the one about the heavenly Jerusalem. People want to know what is this heavenly Jerusalem because that's where we are. We we have come to this heavenly Jerusalem, amen. And and by some strange coincidence, there's a couple of copies of that set at the back on the (laughs) table. After just happens to be that they're there, you know. Okay, so. Even though we're looking for this, and one day it will come down out of heaven by faith and through the Spirit we have access to it. When we come to God in prayer, That's we're there. We are there in the present. We have come, we have access to that city. Do we understand that? We are there in the Spirit. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. If you're citizens, I mean, you belong to a city. We all belong to the same city, it's called the heavenly Jerusalem. We are fellow citizens with who? The saints. All the saints on earth today we're connected with. And we're, we, we join together in praising God together in that city. In the spirit by faith. Amen. And members. It says saints and members. So this city is big. In fact, it's called the household of God who were there say, Well, look we've come also the Bible says to an innumerable company of angels now before the fall there was perfect harmony harmony between heaven and earth human and angels then there was a separation because of sin now when God came down on that mountain in all his holiness as I said ten thousand angels came with him they were representing God in his holiness they were blowing the trumpet saying attention this is serious God is a holy God we we worship this God he's a holy God but we did not come to them It's almost like they were there and, and, and they wouldn't even take one foot up the mountain but now Christ has united us together with them we're joined with them as he is the head of the body so he's the head of all principality and power that took place after the resurrection god appointed him as the head of all things all things will center on jesus and so we belong to this incredible heavenly household that includes the angels they are celebrating angels now not blowing loud trumpets scaring the life out of us they're celebrating you can see for example in in revelation 5 verses 9 to 14 there's a picture of where john sees us Uh, You know saying worthy is the lamb for he has redeemed us out of every tribe and tongue and nation blah blah And then the angels also say worthy is the lamb now the lamb is a term that was used for Jesus laying down his life Amen, but they're joined with us worshiping Jesus and they actually minister to us who are the heirs of salvation mainly invisible sometimes visible there are testimonies of angels uh, being revealed physically but mainly invisible but they are ministering to those who are the heirs of salvation we've come to this innumerable company of angels when the angels came down on sinai there was ten thousand when john saw them in the revelation there was what ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands amen an innumerable company of angels and we've come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, whose names are registered in heaven—that's us. That's all the saints who have been redeemed. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, "You know, don't rejoice that you can cast out demons and do miracles. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven." And, and, and they are now. This term firstborn. Let's have a look at that for a moment. What does it mean in the Old Testament? A firstborn child say for example a a Jewish man had seven sons the firstborn would receive a double portion of the inheritance twice as much an abundant inheritance but also he would have authority over the family in the place of his father so it speaks of inheritance and it speaks of reigning now we are destined to reign with christ as king we are the church of the firstborn it's not just one son that is the firstborn we're all firstborn sons in that sense we have an inheritance and we have a destiny to reign and because christ is heir of all things we will inherit with him we will reign with him god has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things Jesus inherits all things, but we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. So we've come to this church of the firstborn whose names are registered in heaven. And we've come to God, the judge of all. Now, that's not a negative thing. Every time we read the thing, God, the judge. No, this is in the positive sense in the sense that we are this is explained to us in the new testament epistles we've appeared before god and god is the one who has justified us he's already passed the verdict on us he's justified us declared us to be righteous because our sin was imputed to jesus and jesus's righteousness was imputed to us so god is now our judge and it doesn't matter what accusing voices may say god is the one that steps forward and says these are my children i've justified them i make the judgment concerning them the judgment has already been declared amen hallelujah and we come to the spirits of just men made perfect that that means the spirits of those who were in christ but they they've passed away their spirits have gone to be with the lord in heaven where jesus is today you'll be with me in paradise amen 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 i remember you know I, I never used to sort of think much about this or meditate much about this what happens to those you know what what is it like for them those that have died and gone but i remember when marianne my wife passed away i just wanted to know and wanted to know, you know, how we well, what is it like for her now? Well, all I know is that she is in the presence of God with all the spirits of those who have departed, and we are joined with them in this great household of faith and the angels. Amen. And we're all worshiping God together. So when we worship God, we're present with them now it's not like they're aware of us they, you know like some people think they know what we're doing and blah 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 no they don't <laughs> not any more than we know what it's like for them but what we do know is this that we are this general assembly this household of faith the saints and, and 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 those who are in christ and the angels this great family we're all together in christ hallelujah a big family by the way It's a big family. Facebook has a family of two billion people, but I think we've got more than them. Amen. And that's the family I want to be, not in the Facebook. (laughs) Okay. And this is referring to the Old Testament saints. Okay. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What that means is this, partly anyway. Under the Old Testament, when a saint died, like someone like David, they would go to this place called Hades. There were two parts. It was the upper portion, or you can say Abraham's bosom, where the righteous went, but they were not in the presence of God. They were not in the presence of Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, see, they they could not be made perfect without us. God was waiting for the time that Jesus died and then heaven was open to the saints of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians that Jesus, he led captivity captive and and he took those spirits to, 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 to be with him. Like he said to the thief on the cross, this day, this day you'll be with me in paradise. This day heaven is opened. And this great heavenly Jerusalem is alive with all those who are redeemed praise God and of course we come to Jesus of course we come to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant in contrast to Moses who was the mediator of the old covenant so Moses went up Mount Sinai he got the Ten Commandments and he brought them down And he said do it (laughs) just do it jesus has gone to heaven amen he brings down the law which he fulfilled and he says done Amen? amen it's done he's now the mediator he fulfilled the righteousness of the law and he ministers to us that sweet assurance that we are the children of god and we have direct access to the presence of god and then we finish up fittingly with this we've come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of abel notice there's sprinkling there's a difference between shedding of the blood and sprinkling shedding is what jesus did when jesus died on the cross he shed his blood for everyone so that everyone may be forgiven when are they forgiven? When they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're sprinkled. The blood is sprinkled upon them. They're washed in the blood of the Lamb, cleansed through the blood of the Lamb. So we have come to the blood of sprinkling. We've, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And it's a blood that speaks better things than that of Abel's. You know, the blood of Abel cried out to God for vengeance against his brother Cain for his murder. But the blood of Jesus cries out for our justification, bears witness to the fact that all that God has required for our sin, he took upon himself. We are justified. We are cleansed. Why do I say it was fitting that we should finish with this? Because at Sinai, they were, they were, they drew back. They were separated from god they didn't want to draw near to him they didn't even want to hear his voice but look what the blood of jesus has done therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh having a high priest over the house of god let us what draw near With a true heart in full assurance of faith that's the difference under the old covenant they drew back they did not want to come anywhere near god they were so terrified but under the new covenant we draw near because of the blood of jesus so let's just conclude the old covenant was a ministry of death can read about that in 2 corinthians chapter 3 where the two covenants are compared there the old covenant was a ministry of death in which god was to be feared and not approached so what's the point of the the old Testament, the the the, the old covenant Then, you know there there is glory there is glory in the old covenant but here's the point it was a fading glory it, it revealed the holiness of god but he couldn't do anything just revealing how holy god is in fact when moses came down the mountain he put a veil over his face because his face was shining now you think it's because um, you read the Old Testament you get the impression it's because he didn't want the people to be kind of you know startled by the the brightness of his countenance. but when you come over to 2 Corinthians Paul explains differently he says he did not want them to see the fading Glory of that covenant. It's a fading glory. It is a glory. There is glory in the old covenant. It does reveal the holiness of God. God is a holiness, a holy God. But it's a fading glory. Whereas the glory under the new covenant is an ever increasing glory. We come and we look upon the face of Jesus Christ. Just keep looking at Jesus, beholding Him. And we're changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. Amen. Under the old covenant, we would see the the unbending standard of the law, that it is perfection. See, this is interesting. As I was meditating upon this, God said, if, if any Israelite comes near the mountain under Sinai, he's to be put to death. But don't put your hand to him. You kill him by stoning or arrows or darts, you know, does not touch him, otherwise, you two would die. Now, those people that say what we need in the church is more fear of God that'll get them, that's what they're saying. That'll clean up this one and that one. These people have very little understanding of how holy God is, amen. Because the Bible says, if God should mark iniquity. Who would stand? And so anyone that wants to put forth his hand to put judgment upon another, they too will perish. Because they don't understand how holy God is. None of us can stand before God in our own righteousness. Amen? We need the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all our sin and for him to impute his righteousness to us. Because the unbending standard of the law is perfection. No compromise. 100% holy all the time to stand at sinai therefore is to come into judgment and experience god's wrath there can only be fear under the old covenant and incidentally the terror for those without christ remains that's why paul says knowing the terror of the lord we persuade men if if people are outside of christ that terror remains amen in fact you go back to hebrews and it says, there's something like this, if God would judge people under the law for breaking the law, how much more would he judge those who reject Christ? Amen? How much more would he, re- you know, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God without a saviour. Jesus is our only hope. In contrast, we have come to Mount Zion and the new covenant which is full of grace and truth. We do not relate to God in fear but through love praise god perfect love casts out fear there's no fear in love perfect love casts out fear those who fear are tormented they're not perfected they're not brought to maturity but god draws us to himself it's the goodness of god that leads to repentance goodness of god that changes us so we enjoy close fellowship with him under the new covenant and we belong to a community which includes angels saints who have passed on and every living creature we all come to this heavenly jerusalem this mountain it's spiritual the moment you say in the name of jesus you're there worshiping god in spirit and in truth with all the household of god with all the innumerable company of angels hallelujah Let's not be confused about covenants. Let's understand which side of the cross we're on. Amen. And enjoy God's presence, his love, his goodness, his favour upon us. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you this morning that we were born in this age after Jesus died and brought us into this new covenant. After Jesus opened heaven to us that we might come into your presence, that we have access with boldness and confidence because of the blood. Lord, I pray that we will never, never be relating to you by fear or never be uh, brought under uh, bondage by others who want to manipulate us through fear and guilt. Because Lord, we know that's not the way you work. You draw us with your love with your grace, with your goodness. Lord, we respond to that with love and obedience and righteousness. So, Father, bless this word to our hearts, we pray. Let it take root and bear good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.